Good morning all. So good to see every one of you here this morning. And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. This morning, we continue on the message series, Knowing God. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 tells us that those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. This verse was spoken for some 350 years later when the people of Israel would be going through a time of tremendous tribulation under a king called King Antiochus Epiphanes. That king hated the Jews and Judaism. So on one hand, he wanted to turn all the Jews away from God. And on the other hand, for those Jews who did not, he would kill them. And so, in this time of great persecution, Daniel said of the people of God, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Some translations have those who know their God shall be firm and take action. And this morning, we want to talk about the omnipotence of God. Omnipotence means all-powerful. And my prayer is that this message will inspire faith in you. No matter what you are facing, what you are praying to God for, that you will trust that God is all-powerful and in Him nothing is impossible. And trust that His power is always working around you, in you, and for you. Let's pray together. God, we know that it is impossible for us as finite human beings to know an infinite God, to fully grasp the fullness of your power. So this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and illuminate our minds. Come and bring a revelation of who God is and His power to us and for us. And in so doing, let us know God deeper and also reflect this all-powerful God and His love to our world, so that in everything that we do, in the way that we walk our lives, we will lead other people to know you too. In Jesus' name we pray. May all of God's people say, Amen. When we talk about God being all-powerful, or God being omnipotent, one of the things, or one of the questions we often hear is, if God is so powerful, can he create a rock so big that he cannot carry? Now, this question is either deeply profound or just being cheeky, right? But whatever it is, it did lead me to go into the Bible and search out things that God cannot do. And actually, the answers will lead us to trust him even more. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says, it is impossible for God to lie. This verse was spoken in the context of God's promise to Abraham that he will have many descendants. And despite all the challenges that Abraham had experienced, this promise was fulfilled in Israel and the church, much greater probably than he could imagine. When God makes a promise, he will bring it to pass because he is a God who cannot lie. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
Have you ever gone through certain seasons of your life when you feel that your faith is not where it should be, not quite there? Maybe you are experiencing some discouragements, disappointments, or even sickness, and you just wonder, is God there for you? Even when your faith is shaky, the Bible tells us that God remains faithful to you because He is a faithful God and He cannot deny Himself. The third thing I learned is what I understood as a young Christian about what God cannot do is that He cannot stop loving you. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. Knowing what our all-powerful God cannot do and will not do actually leads us to trust Him even more because we know His heart for us. And next, for the rest of the message, I'm going to look at scriptural passages that describe how nothing is impossible for our all-powerful God and what that means for us. But just before that, I want to go to a passage of scripture that tells us the kind of power Satan wanted and the kind of God he wanted to be. We read in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. The word Most High in Hebrew is Elion. It means the supreme one, the highest, the most high ruler. Satan didn't say, I want to be like God, the shepherd, or healer, or provider, or servant. What he wanted was to enslave the entire creation under his rule. But God, who is revealed in Jesus Christ, was someone who humbled himself, took on the form of a servant, and became obedient even to death on the cross to save us. Jesus said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How glad are we for the kind of all-powerful, loving, self-sacrificial God that we serve. Amen? First, I want to talk about God, our all-powerful Savior. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 24 to 26, we read, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then? Can be saved. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. There may be many people around you that you want to reach out, you want to see come to Christ. There may be your loved ones, your neighbors, your classmates, your colleagues, your business partners. They may be very far away from God, and you find it hard to reach them. But to God, nothing is impossible. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. God can use any person in any situation 
to reach anyone who do not know him. About three weeks ago, when I was taking our bus back to the Metcash Overflow parking, Dennis, the volunteer bus driver, told me about his mom, who is a believer, who lives in Singapore, was ordered to go into isolation in the hotel room for seven days. And in the hotel room, she was sharing it with another lady. And he told me that her mom had the opportunity to share the gospel with her and had a captive audience for seven days and led the person to Christ. Uh, Praise God. At uh, around the end of last year, uh, in a Connect Group Leaders gathering, one of our Connect Group Leaders, Brad, shared with us how he came to know the Lord. He said he grew up in a Christian family, went to church faithfully, uh, did all the things his parents wanted him to do, went through all the ceremonies compliantly, but when he reached the age of year 11, he told his parents, I'm going to stop here. I'm not going to go any further. So he stopped going to church and stopped believing in God. Many years later, one evening he was reading a Christian article that was arguing the existence of God through an intellectual and logical way. And he said that suddenly after he read the article, in the twinkling of an eye, all his doubts disappeared. And he believed in the existence of God. The only thing he needed to know is which God it is. So he went back to church the following Sunday and he found back Jesus. He said he was convinced and he came to know the Lord because of mathematics. <laughs> he is one of the few people I know who came to Lord who came to the Lord because they were convinced intellectually. When I was six years old, not very intellectual, not very smart, uh, my father put me to board with a family. And looking back, I actually didn't know how I felt because my dad was just living ten minutes walk away from the family. But what happened was my tutor actually shared with me the gospel, and one evening when I heard the gospel for the first time, no dramas, I came to the Lord. But the drama was with her because I heard her grandma telling her not to lead another person to another religion. But anyway, you know, I had this newfound faith. I was very excited and I wanted to share with all my classmates about Jesus, about the God that I found. And I didn't know how to share the gospel. So what I did was, with the prayer that I prayed, I wrote it on a piece of paper and went to class and shared it with all my friends. And I can't remember anyone coming to Christ. But 10 years later, one of my year six classmates came to the church that I was attending. And when she saw me, she spoke to me and talked about the things I did, you know, when I was in year six. But she did not say, I wish she did, but she did not say what I did had an impact on her, sowed the seed into her life so that she would come to Christ later. She didn't say that, but it really didn't matter because for me, I could see the all-powerful Savior working. So I just want to encourage you, for those of you, those of us who sometimes we share the gospel and we don't see and find any response, don't be discouraged. Let God, the all-powerful Savior, do His work. In all these situations that God uses, we also see God using someone, a young tutor taking a risk 
to share Christ with a border. A lady making the best out of an uncomfortable situation. A writer who simply wrote from his passion and insights and led someone to Christ. But knowing God as our all-powerful Savior does not produce in us a passive, nonchalant attitude when it comes to sharing the gospel. In fact, we'll do what Pastor Benny uh, talked to us about a few weeks ago, PDA. We will do our personal devotion to know God. And then when the divine appointment happens, that means whenever opportunity arises, we do active obedience. We use what we have, what we know, to share the gospel the best we can. So remember PDA. Uh, when we talk about evangelism this morning, I just want to focus on a specific group of people, which is our young people. I think it is so critical that our church is invested into reaching young people. One afternoon when one of my daughters came back from school, she talked to me about what she learned in school on evangelism. So she said that uh, what we must not do is what she calls, uh, what she learned as Christianity accommodated. Christianity accommodated means you modify the gospel message to fit into the culture, to reach the people you want to reach. And so we affirmatively agree we must not do Christianity accommodated. But at the same time, we also recognize that Christianity must be understood. And we read in John, and uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrased it so beautifully, he said, Jesus was the word became flesh and he walked into the neighborhood. That means God became a person that we could feel, we could touch, we could engage, we could listen to, we could understand. So it is important that we do not do Christianity accommodated. At the same time, it is equally important that we do Christianity understood. So what does it mean for us as a church? It means that, number one, two things. Number one, we must continue to invest in our youth ministries, invest in raising up young leaders, and keep on encouraging them to keep on exploring, discovering, and use the most effective ways they know how to disciple and reach their uh, generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, I believe we must pay attention to family discipleship. We must continue to grow and improve the way we equip families to build faith at home. Maybe some of us here, when we listen to these stories about uh, reaching out to others, uh, we feel a little bit challenged because we are going through a rough patch and Instead of reaching out to others, maybe we are in a place where we feel that we want somebody to reach out to us. And I hope the next point will encourage you. The next point I want to talk about is God being our all-powerful restorer. And I want to read for you uh, from a passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32 verse 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? This verse was written in the context of God's promise to Israel that He will bring them back to their homeland from their exile in Babylon. And I, just, I just want to read some uh, verses, excerpts for you from Jeremiah chapter 32. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which 
you say it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them. I will bring them back to this place. I will make them dwell in safety, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. When Israel fell and was exiled to Babylon, the loss and devastation was so total that I think it psychologically crippled them to the point that they just can't imagine one day they could return back to their homeland. But God told Jeremiah to prophesy that Israel will return because there's nothing too hard for him. He is the all-powerful restorer. Sometimes a loss can happen through no fault of your own, like Job. You didn't cause it, but you are powerless to reverse it. But God can restore to you just like he did for Job. In Job chapter 42, verse 10, we read, The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Your loss could be relational, financial, or even uh, related to medical issues. But whatever it is, God can restore to you more than what you can imagine. I have four lovely children that I love deeply. We have four lovely children that we love deeply. <laughs> In the past, sometimes when people ask us, how many children do we have? I would say five. The fifth one is me. And I thank God for such a wonderful wife, amazing wife that he has given to me and an amazing mother that he has given to our children. She has been our pillar of strength. But we did suffer a loss when I think about our, you know, children. And when I say five children, I remember the time when we lost a child through miscarriage. And it was a morning that uh, we woke up and found that something was amiss. And then we went to the clinic. And in the clinic, our gynecologist told us that she needed an operation. And we, yeah, could not have the child that we were expecting. And so when my wife went into the operational theater, operation theater, I drove to an ATM to withdraw money uh, to pay for the medical bills. And it was in the car that I broke down. And uh, the weight of the multitudes of questions that flooded me just overwhelmed me. And one of the questions was, should we or could we have another child? One year later, my second child, a girl, was born. And she was born in, actually in Perth, in Warwick. Then a few years later, my third child was born. And then a few more years later, my fourth child was born. And then I told God, enough already. <laughs> You have been so good to us. And we have four lovely children that we can only dream of. I do not know what kind of loss you may exactly have suffered or are suffering. And I do not know what kind of restoration 
will look like for you. But I do know this. Nothing is too hard for God because He is our all-powerful restorer. God will turn your recession into a revival. God will turn your trial into a triumph, and He will turn your test into a testimony. Now, during the time when Jeremiah was prophesying the fall of Jerusalem, God told him to buy a piece of land in his own hometown in Anathoth, which was about five kilometers north of Jerusalem. Now, at the time, Anathoth was already under the control of Babylon. So from uh, an investment perspective, it was the most illogical thing to do. But God told him to do that as a prophetic act on the promise of God, of the promise of God that God will bring them back to their homeland. And in chapter 32 of Jeremiah, verse 15, God said, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. And so Jeremiah obeyed and bought it. Eugene Peterson wrote, he bought the field as an investment in God's next project for Israel. Now, that investment paid off handsomely, not because Jeremiah was an investment expert, but because God was the all-powerful restorer. When we are walking through some loss, maybe it's difficult for us to see the future, but wherever you are, you can still remain faithful and obedient to God as an act of faith for His next season and next project for your life. When we were walking through that loss, one of the things I felt God wanted me to do was to stay in the ministry. And that led me to come to Australia to do my theological studies about 20 years ago. And Pastor Cecilia and uh, Pastor Benny and uh, Cecilia took care of us a lot, and we are really thankful for them. Pastor Benny knew me as a young 20-something, but it was during that period I uh, had the opportunity to work directly under him. And I think maybe in some ways, uh, it played a part in uh, me having the opportunity to serve here in Faith Community Church, which I'm deeply grateful. So even in a time of loss, you can still walk in obedience to God and trust Him for His next season for your life. He is your restorer and He will never fail you. This brings me to my third point, which is God being our all-powerful promise keeper. We read in Genesis chapter 18, verse 13 to 14, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. The context of these two verses is God keeping His promise to Abraham and Sarah that He will give them descendants of their own. But Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, way past their childbearing age. So God said to them, is there anything too hard for him? There are three things we can observe here. First, it is God's purpose and promise will surely come to pass. In this context, God's purpose is missional. It is in relation to His covenant to Abraham that He will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. And Isaac to be born is actually a type of Christ. 
when God gives us a missional purpose in life, along with that, it also comes with a promise that He will enable us to do what He has called us to. And number two is that you will be able to fulfill God's mission for you, regardless of the constraints or limitations you feel because it is His power at work. The Bible teaches us that God is the author and the finisher, and He is the one who has begun the good work in you, and He will bring it to completion. Paul said that God told him, my grace, God's grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This brings me to my third point. No matter what you feel your weakness or limitations may be, and even if it is age, even at an old age, you can give birth to something new to fulfill God's missional purpose. When we talk about imparting faith to the next generation, one of the best ways to do that is to keep the pioneering spirit alive because that is the way we can impart a faith that is centered uh, on faith in God, that is courageous, that is missional. Another way, where, another way for us to impart faith is to keep running the race, to model for our next generation what serving God, what being faithful to God is like. So keep running the race. Don't keep thinking about passing the baton. In Faith Community Church, the adult ministry is not designed to be a place where people come to start their journey to begin to enjoy sunset. It is a place where people will come to, to discover new possibilities and potentials for them to make a difference to marriages, to families, to their neighbours, to their community, to our city, and even to the countries beyond. But it is not just about old people like me, because the same God works in young people as well. When I was a youth pastor, one of the older leaders said something to me that really encouraged me. He said, the youth are people who go out there to do something and accomplish it and then to look back only to realize that it was supposed to be impossible. That was so inspiring and yes, inspired me until today not to fear, to go out to do something new that I've never done before, to go somewhere that I've never been before so that I can see God doing something that I've never seen before. He is our all-powerful promise keeper. And we need to walk in His power. And one of the keys to walk in His power, in his power is prayer. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, there are, there are many ways we do, there are many things that we can do to walk in the power of God. For example, reading the Bible. It is important to read the Bible. The Bible is spiritual. So whether we are studying it academically or reading it devotionally, the Word of God is supernatural. It works in us spiritually. And another thing I believe that we must keep on doing is uh, to, have, to be involved, to participate in a spiritual community, to have people around us, to pray for us, to walk with us, to give us counsel, to keep our faith on fire and alive for God. But this morning, I want to talk about prayer. About six months ago, I felt an extremely strong directive from the Spirit to spend more time in prayer. Someone said, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. 
So I was led to examine the time I spent praying versus the time I spent doing. And I start with my family. I always try my best in my parenting for my children, but I ask myself, do I spend enough time praying for my children? And I know that the kind of spiritual transformation that I want to see in my children can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if that is so, do I spend time praying for them? If I love my wife so much, do I pray for her as much? Now, that was a really ouch moment, all right? And when it comes to pastoral ministry, the word for me was, I should not just meet people for God. As important as that is, I must meet God for people. And as I strategize and plan for world evangelization, how much time have I prayed for the world around me to reach our world? We all know we do not depend on an all-powerful strategy. We have to depend on an all-powerful Savior. And prayer centers my life on God and His power. And I also felt God saying this to me, that it is not about me carrying prayer like a weight on my shoulders. It is about prayer carrying me and lifting the weight of my shoulders. And so for those of us who are on the journey to begin to build a consistent, productive prayer life, what do we do? I want to share with you three suggestions. Number one is to schedule a set time to pray for your topmost concerns. There are 1,001 needs around us. If we try to pray through all of them, it is practically impossible. And, we, and if we do do that, I think you agree with me, we're just scratching the surface. Okay, I pray for this for three seconds and move on to the next and move on to the next and move on to the next. Yes, God, I pray for everything. It's not just, I think, as productive as it should be. Prayer is not just a unidirectional conversation from me to God. It is also a time when I want to hear God speaking to me. Now, so we all greet one another, how are you, very often. And very often you think about what people say or the question people ask. If you really want to know how am I, do you have time to listen to me? Because I've got a lot of things to say to you. And when you pray, God has a lot of things to say to you. So you should carve out enough time to listen to God. So to do that, it's not possible to pray for everything. But what you do is you pray for your topmost concerns because anyway, your topmost concerns are on your mind every time. Next, uh, make prayer a relational conversation. It is not about how well you can articulate your prayer with the precision and beauty of English vocabulary. So one evening when uh, we were having our dinner, I was saying grace, right? So this was exactly what I said. God, may your presence be with us. Hey, no, that's not the right prayer to pray. Because God, your presence is already with us. So I should say, God, I thank you. And at that time, at the point, one of my daughters stopped me and she said to me, Dad, why do you make prayer so difficult? It's like you are preaching to God in a way so that God can understand. Don't make prayer unnecessarily burdensome. And she asked me, 
when was the time Jesus had a problem with prayer? And I scratched my head. I thought about it. Yeah, one time Jesus had a problem with somebody's prayer was the prayer of the Pharisee when he put himself on the pedestal. Other than that, he really didn't you know, object to people's prayer. And that was one of the most liberating lessons I learned in prayer when I come to God, come to God to do a relational conversation. And thirdly, is to find someone to pray with. One morning, one morning during a staff prayer meeting, uh, we broke up into small groups of twos and threes, and I was praying for Pastor Sani, I mean Pastor Benny. <laughs> Sani is our man who makes people sound good on stage. Uh, we were, uh, we were pray- I was praying with Sani and Pastor Benny, and we were sharing about the topmost concerns on our mind. And then we started to pray. And then when Sani prayed, man, he said something that I felt God saying to me, that's the word you've got to pay attention to. You know, this, that's, you, you want to do that, but this is what you must consider. And then Pastor Benny prayed and I said, God, oh man, you are teaching me how to do this next project that I want to do. And after the prayer, I just felt that as we were praying, God was teaching me things uh, through other people. So what are the topmost concerns on your mind now? Let's put into practice what we have learned. I want you to spend a few moments to just commit that thought concern to the Lord. As the musicians are playing, let us come to a time of prayer as we land this message. We can maybe just close our eyes for a few moments. I want you to just lift up your concern to the Lord and begin to hear from Him what He's saying to you, what He wants you to do. The Bible tells us that we don't have to be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make our requests known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. That is God's promise to you. So as you bring your concern to the Lord, I pray that the all-powerful God with whom nothing is, is impossible will bring the breakthrough you need in your life. He will meet you at the point of your need. He is present with you. Next, I want to speak to those of us here, and even those people watching online. You may feel that you are drifting or you have drifted far away from God, but today as you hear the Word of God, you feel that God is drawing you back and you want to come back to Him. If that's where you are, and you want to do that, can I just, I'm going to pray with you, can I just ask you from where you are seated just to raise your hand? And when I see the hand, I know who I'm praying with. Anyone across this auditorium? Is there anyone? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Is there anyone? Yes, I see the hand on my right. Thank you, sir. Yes, I see the hand on my right. Thank you, sir. Anyone? Anyone else? Just a few more moments. If you know that God is speaking to you and you want to come back to Him, either for the first time, you do not know Christ for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life. One more time, from where you are seated, just raise your hand. Is there anyone else? All right. 
Can I just ask you to pray this prayer together with me? And church, can I ask you to just join together as a support and encouragement to those who have raised their hands? Say, God, I thank you that you gave Jesus to die for my sins. And in him, I have eternal life. Forgive me, cleanse me, come and lead me. Let me know you more. Walk closer with you. Reflect who you are to the world around me. And lead them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Next, I just want to open up this altar for a time of prayer. Now, as the worship team uh, leads us in the song of worship, if you have something in your heart that you want to come to seek God for and pray, I invite you to come to the front. There may be people who are in our midst who have suffered loss and or you are even walking through a time of loss. And this morning, you want to come to God to seek Him, to believe Him for the restoration you need. Maybe there are another group of people you are feeling in your heart that you want to do something for God or you want to do something. You know, it may be uh, to go for a course to upgrade your skills so that you can be more effective to reach a need in the society. Uh, it could be to take a new position in the company so you can influence wider and further. It could maybe be a leadership position that you want to take in the church so that you can influence more people for Christ. Whatever God has put into your heart, you feel that you want to take the next step, but maybe you are just feeling a little bit uncertain. And this morning, you want to come to the front just to pray and seek God. So, as the, so can I just ask you to stand up together with me? And as we worship, the altar space here in front is open. If you want to seek God and pray and have someone pray with you, I invite you to come to the front.